I, again, it wouldn't be fair to, to either one of those quarterbacks. I haven't watched, you know, very much of Caleb other than on TV. I've been able to see Justin in, in crossover of film that we've watched of teams that the Bears have played when we're playing this year. And, and again, when I, you know, it's you want to watch the defense, but in my position, I also want to watch and see how Justin's doing. And because I'm rooting for him, you know, I think he's a hell of a kid. He's a hell of a quarterback. The future is very bright for him, and, and uh, I'm rooting for him. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That's Matt Nagy. Wow, you want to talk about connections to the Super Bowl? How about Matt Nagy? Isn't uh, he a former Bears coach? Didn't he actually coach Justin Fields? Yes. And yes. He's, he's rooting for him. And how do you like me now? That nice choice there, Brandon Fryer, Toby Keith, rest in peace, 62 years old. That was a song in the background there, Mully. And how do you like Matt Nagy now as the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs? Are you surprised that this head coaching cycle passed? Eight jobs were open. Eight jobs were filled. Matt Nagy did not get an interview, Molly. Does that surprise you? No. You... No. Huh. How would how would Matt – here's the thing. You know, that's part of what happens when you're, uh, your team's Super Bowl bound. You know, those jobs are going to be filled. You're not going to get – you're not in line to get an interview. But I don't think anyone's looking at it. I think people look at that offense and they think of Andy Reid. And they think of Andy Reid and the way he goes about it. And, you know, frankly – um, I, I, what surprised me more is with all the offensive coordinator openings, Eric Bieniemy didn't get a look, and in fact, he was officially fired yesterday <laughs> because because the we know that the the uh, the Washington Commanders have uh, hired Yonder Alonso as their offensive coordinator. Very and funny. They're planning on trying to get. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah, the brother-in-law of Caleb Williams, or something like that. Yeah, no, Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator they hired oh, in Washington. Yeah, not not the brother-in-law. It wasn't, so, it wasn't Lincoln Riley? It wasn't Lincoln Riley. Okay. If they hired him as the coordinator, I'd be on board with all these conspiracy theories. I think that I understand why people want to get excited about the idea that if you're a Commander fan and they want to connect the dots that yep. Caleb Williams' quarterback coach is now the offensive coordinator of the team drafting second. But that doesn't mean that the Bears are any closer to trading that pick to the commanders. And frankly, if they're going to trade that pick, which I think we both agree would be a mistake right now, they're likely to go deeper than two because you would get more for it for teams that move up further than that, correct? Um, Texter yesterday suggested that they could uh, perhaps trade to two get what they can, get the second-round pick back, get another, and then trade down from two to wherever you want to go and then really pick up some stuff. You could, I suppose, if you really want to play through every scenario and with the draft not until April 27th, you have the time to do so. And, And you could move into the south lot while you were doing that. By then they will have broken ground. Not only in the South Lot, but if you want to bring two shovels, there's a, the 78 is there to be developed as well. Is there? So, a, hey, we haven't talked about that. Is there? Is there a? Is there a run on the bank? I mean, are we are we looking at a a land grab where one of these things has to happen first? And okay, Arling, and Arlington Heights now has a little fire under them because if the Bears have to be downtown, they got to get it done because 
that money may go to the 78. Okay, let's pivot there for a second because I do think you bring up an interesting interesting reality, and I, I want to know if it is a reality. We've got two projects that could be going on concurrently or, or simultaneously at yes. the same time. Right. The 78 with the White Sox identifying land in the South Loop at Clark and Roosevelt. And the Bears m- f- mirror in, in, the, in the Shane Waldron lot right there. Uh, <laughs> they want to start building a football stadium, a structure perhaps. That's the focus according to Crane Chicago Business. Right. There is that clause. That clause that exists in the state legislature or that was tucked into a bill in 2021 that allows for this uh, unique bonding structure that maybe the White Sox want to take advantage of because the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority, or maybe the Bears want to take advantage of. So I'm envisioning this, as you just described, sprint to a destination <laughs> between Jerry Reinsdorf and Kevin Warren. Who's yes. going to win? Yes. Who yep. will get there first? I I would hate to wager, but I think that, you know, Jerry has got some hustle left, <laughs> and I don't know if uh, if Kevin Driver knows the way. So I, I think you've got a little bit of an issue going on. You've got an issue. You've got an issue. You know, Jerry probably knows the shortcut, and Kevin's busy washing his car. And so <laughs> I don't know if, well, the way this will go. And I, and I don't oh. know if they're – look, the, the bottom line is that this is – a bond issue, which still could be, you know, it's going to be, you're talking about public funding, a hotel tax that is going to be used potentially for one or the other, maybe neither, maybe both. I don't know, Molly, there's a lot of questions to be answered, but it is striking to me how these two stories are unfolding at the same time. And this clause only exists, it expires on the last day of 2024. So there does seem to be some urgency attached to both projects. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. Let's try Bernard. He's in Hyde Park. Hey, Bernard. Hey, good morning, guys. Just uh, wanted to call in, man, because uh, it just always seems like if something can go wrong, it will go wrong, you know, uh, with the Bears. You know, um, we can't just, uh, you know, get the number one pick and get the quote-unquote generational talent and he come in and just play ball and we go somewhere. Now we got the whole narrative where his old coach is going to Washington. That's his hometown. Everybody's talking about, you know, what kind of package they can put together. It can't just be, man, the Bears are in a great position. It's a great guy that they can draft. Get him, you know, uh, hey, whatever happens with Fields, you know, good luck. But either way, Poles, you know, he's not going to get fired for taking this kid, you know, that's uh, quote-unquote the next great. So either way, you know, he's in a good position. But why can't we just get this guy, you know, build around, keep continue to build, and just right off to the freaking sunset because it's, <laughs> it's like if, if, if something – if something can go wrong, it just will. Like, are we cursed? Oh, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great call. Yeah, it's a it's great, a great call. call because it's a reminder. No, you're not cursed necessarily. No, you don't have to expect bad things to happen just because historically they have. Molly, I don't really connect. and Maybe this is naive. Maybe you disagree. I don't think that because the Bears have never developed a franchise quarterback that they can't get it right with Caleb Williams. I don't think there's any connection between Cade McNown and Caleb Williams or 
or whoever you want to put in that category. And I know that, again, I know that is asking Bears fans to deprogram what is a lifetime worth of disappointment and the expectation that if something bad can happen, it will. But forget this noise in Washington, D.C. I mean, really, are, are, think about what has to happen. They're going to hire a quarterback's coach or an offensive analyst, add to the staff of the commanders, and that means they're going to move up one spot in the draft to pick this quarterback? I don't think that means that at all. So if you're a Bears fan, you don't have to feel like, yeah, you know, the, the other shoe's going to drop, even though I understand why you would expect that to happen. <laughs> so beautiful. It, it really does seem like there just isn't like kind of the natural flow that, that happens in most places. I think maybe it has something to do with the fact that we've never seen a quarterback actually – drafted and develop and win, right? I mean, Jim McMahon was this kind of element. He came in. He knew probably more about offense than some of the people coaching him. But the injury-plagued career, you know, the kind of up and down of it, had a great year in the year they won the Super Bowl. But, you know, the quarterback thing, you just couldn't sustain a starting quarterback that could stay healthy and be there. And we know what availability is, and and it wasn't there. So then, even with that great defense and this championship team, we never saw sort of anything that wasn't just sort of this weird up and down and in and out, and and you're there and then you're gone, and and that is it's been the damnation of this team, the most important position on the field, and the way they've gone about it. Uh, even with Justin Fields. Even with, even Justin, with Fields. Justin Fields. Yes. And and you heard Matt Nagy talking when we came in here. Does anyone have a really good feeling about the Nagy era, even though you had, like, a great year? You had one really good year you, you know, with a great it's, defense. Ugh, it's it's remarkable, though, Molly, because you do look at Matt Nagy's tenure in Chicago, and it's why I asked the question, because yeah. – you know, Super Bowl night, the Chicago media flocks to Matt Nagy. Mm. He's, it's a reunion of, again. And you look at his tenure. He got to the playoffs twice. He was here for, what, four years? And what happened, in, I mean, if he had finished in, in reverse order. Oh, he'd, be, he'd still be here. He'd still be here. Right. So that's why I asked, do you think that he would get another shot at being a head coach? Because guys have been hired in this cycle who are less qualified for the position in terms of experience and maybe even t- in terms of just the ability to handle the job, then less qualified than Matt Nagy. I, and, and I wonder right. But the, if the Chiefs, the Chiefs' offense was basically a failure for much of the season. You know, I, I know they've got great players, but their offense, it, you know, Matt Nagy still has that cutesy element, you know, you get to the Super Bowl, let's get in the huddle and we'll all run around in a circle. I, I mean, come on. Now, and and then you you think about him calling plays this year and all the drops and all the all the time that it took for them again, right down to losing to the Raiders on Christmas Day, maybe their worst loss of the year. Mm-hmm. So so you it would were you thinking? Well, Matt Nagy's definitely getting a job this summer. <clears throat> I'm not saying that he won't and that it won't happen, but. I mean, goodness gracious. No, but I think that you know how guys are hired. It, 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 it continues to surprise me every year how 
recency bias factors into head coaching searches. And you guys who are, you know, the hot coordinator, the guy in Tampa, he goes to Carolina, he's hired, he's a head coach. Is he more qualified and experienced uh, for that job than Matt Nagy would be who has done it in Chicago and gotten to the playoffs two times in four years? Maybe, and maybe that'll sound like a ridiculous statement in, in a couple of seasons. But I, but I do think that when you look at Nagy's career in ascent I, and then descent, yeah. I, I, I think it'll be hard for him to get another shot because of what you just said. But I also think that when you look at you know, different guys who get hired, I wonder how fair that is because most of the time, most of these guys are one and done. And, and I wouldn't argue that in any fashion. I do think, though, that let me ask you this question. If let's just say, and I don't believe it would happen, and I'm not predicting it in any fashion. I don't understand unless there was a health issue. Let's just say Andy Reid's had enough, and he says, to, he says after the Super Bowl, that's it for me. I'm walking away. Would the, would the Kansas City Chiefs promote Matt Nagy? That's a great question. I asked that, I think, about a week ago, and you, you might have said that Steve Spagnuolo would That's, have been the most likely choice. But we're talking about a hiring cycle where Matt Nagy doesn't get a job and no one's I, waiting for him. Is, would the Chiefs hire him? I, I, I wonder that. I, I think that I I, think I'd that hire they, Spags, as I said earlier. I, I think, yeah, Spags would make more sense, especially with the defense having the kind of year that it, it's had. Yeah. Also, he's in his early 60s. And you wonder if they would be looking for someone younger. I don't know that. And I think that it's a question they have to at least ponder if Andy Reid wins and then rides off into the sunset. I don't think he's going to do that. But it's, a, it's an interesting question for the sake of an argument. Is Matt Nagy the most qualified head coaching candidate on that staff? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. But I do think this. The Chiefs have a higher opinion of Matt Nagy's coaching ability than any other team in the league. And... That's why when he failed in Chicago, the Chiefs were more than welcoming in letting him return. 312-644-6767. Let's start with Tony. Tony's in Wonder Lake. Hey, Tony. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, you know, I'm, the only reason why this ridiculous notion of passing on a number one pick comes up consecutively is because the team is so dysfunctional. You know, they – they never do anything based on convention. And it's almost like they're using this new stadium chip as an IPO offering, you know, looking to boost up the price of the franchise so they could do whatever with it once their vision is complete. But it doesn't do anything to help the product on the field. They haven't done much of anything. And as far as your reference to the Chiefs maybe hiring Nagy, that franchise is so much eons above the Bears that they would probably be able to overcome that if it was the wrong decision. The Bears, on the other hand, they don't have any lateral movement for any mistakes at all. That's how ridiculous it is. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Well, I, I'm hoping that the presence of Kevin Warren, and I, I, I don't know that, that it's just a mindless hope, but I'm hoping that, that, that he does get the stadium going, and I'm hoping that, um, that there's more... Uh, there's a return to sort of a norm, normalcy, if you will, normality, whatever word you prefer. I, I was hoping that would be the case. I was a little surprised uh, at the end of the year news conference, and, and I had to kind of reconsider some of my thoughts. Sure. But, but that's what that's what the hope is, that Ted's gone. It's not Ted and George making 
weird calls with everyone around them. Right. I, I think also that Poles has done a pretty good job in his role. He's still growing into it. He's a very young guy. Right. And and I'm hopeful about the future of the Bears. And and I'm hopeful that they do the right thing here. And I I would be surprised, frankly, if they didn't. You know my take on the Bears this offseason. My, my position is that they have a, a, a possibility, an opportunity, if you will, to make a good decision or a better one. I think they're in a very good spot when it comes to the quarterback position and the future of the franchise. Right. As for Kevin Warren, this is where I am now. After the head coaching search cycle, I'm going to stop looking at him as a football guy or being involved in football decisions yes. because I just don't think that if you really are – ambitious and if you really are having your fingerprints on every aspect of the operation and you want to be trusted to be able to do the big bold ambitious thing then you would not have welcomed back your head coach when Jim Harbaugh was available so I am going to separate Kevin Warren from football equations from this day forward or from last week for last month forward get the stadium done be uh, the team president. Yep. Do what team presidents do. Keep your nose out of football business, probably. I know you want to be a mentor. Be a mentor. But I'm not going to look at him and connect to Kevin Warren's impact in free agency or the draft. No! If you couldn't affect the whole coaching search, you don't have no business, and probably you're not interested in doing any, anything to do with those two things either. So I think that's the way I look at it with Kevin Warren. I, I love it. That's very strong. 3 one 2 644-6767, Mully and Hawn, the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Wow, this is putting me on the spot. All of Chicago listen to this one. Let's see. I think what the Bears should do is, personally, I think they should trade back as many picks as they can and build around a guy that they've been trying to build around, give the guy some actual options. I mean, he has options, but just help him out as much as you possibly can, but build him up as big as you can and trust the kid. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We hear from a lot of fans. And uh, George Kittle of yeah. the Niners fits right in. It does. He agrees with the uh, with the fields uh, must stay and build around Justin crowd. The loud faction of the Bears fan base that wants Justin Fields to stay includes George Kittle. And, yes, he is a Pro Bowl tight end. He is one of the best at his position in the league, but he's not an executive. I don't think that. They're going to listen to George Kittle. But it was fun to get him to weigh in. Of course he's going to support a player. Players support that's players. What, that's what I said. I, yeah. I was like, what else would he do? There's no way he's going to claim, well, there's got to be about four guys in college better right. than Justin Fields. That's not how it's done. No. Didn't surprise you, me at all. The fraternity supports the fraternity. You don't really put draft picks or rookies ahead of veterans. And let's face it, you know, with all due respect, Justin Fields has earned that respect around the league he's a tough guy 
and he's well highly regarded in his locker room. Not a surprise at all that George Kittle would come to his defense. No, not at all. And George is a good dude, and I I really think that a lot of people, if you listen to what he said, he started saying, "Give him the weapons he needs," and then he stopped it. Well, he's got a lot around. Like he can't just diss NFL players, and so he didn't. Right. It was interesting. But, yeah. it, you know, he's he's walking a fine line there. It's a fine line because you hear it from coaches as well. I mean, Luke Getze tried to walk that fine line. That's why he left town, kind of regarded by some people as somebody that wasn't afraid to bust toss players because he he consistently was, well, was it – you know, was it the the missed receivers and in, in you know if you could only see what I see on tape exactly, or, or was mean, it you know the the explanation that was very careful? But you know, you want to protect your own, and George Kittle did a nice job of doing. I'm that. happy, honestly happy for Luke Getzey that he got a job, and I'm sure Dave is going to be. We'll have Coach wants that. Uh, we'll talk to him soon, and I'm sure he's delighted that one of his guys did get a job in the NFL. Don't you think that guys like Dave Wanstead, who believe Luke Getze is a good head coach, yep. feels a little sense of like offensive coordinator? Told you, yep. told you. Well, I mean, it it is. There's a hint of justification to it. They could have had Lincoln Riley, but they chose instead. Or I'm sorry, Cliff Kingsbury. There's no difference between those two guys. Yes, there is. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yes, there is. And you said that for effect, and I'm glad you did. I don't. I mean, I do understand. We know how the world works. And I just don't think people look at uh, this ob- objectively. You know, Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams, do we know what kind of relationship they had? Yeah, he was his dog. Okay. D-A-W-G. Okay, what's his dog? Does that mean, okay, how, explain to me the scenario then. Okay, I, I, want, I want to play along, and I don't want to dismiss any sort of theory here. Explain to me how Cliff Kingsbury going to the commanders – should make Bears fans concerned that Caleb Williams okay. will end up in Washington, D.C. Very too. simple. Commanders located in Washington, D.C. True. Commanders located in hometown of one Caleb Williams. True. Commanders raid the USC coaching staff to bring in Cliff Kingsbury a la Yonder Alonzo. And that is going to somehow force the player to demand a trade to Washington or he won't play. He will hold his breath and he will, even if you draft me, uh, I will not come. Counselor, I thought that we last week heard evidence submitted by one Colin Coward that when he was accused of saying that Caleb Williams would not play in Chicago, was called by Caleb Williams' camp and had to backpedal like a Pro Bowl cornerback and say, no, 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 no. He said he would love to play for the Bears. He looks at them as a playoff team like the Texans, and this is a moot point. If it is a moot point, how does this other nonsense you speak of make any sense at all? I'm, I'm going to call you on that one. Um, I'm going to say that his backpedaled was much more awkward, less smooth <laughs> than a Pro Bowl corner. Okay. Okay. He was more a guy, you know, an undrafted free agent okay. cut in camp. He backpedaled like me at Ball State on a long Saturday afternoon many years ago. 
don't don't you don't have to be cruel to yourself. Okay. Yeah, uh, but well. I'm just making a joke about his back pedal. I didn't think that was as smooth as it should have been either. It really wasn't. But the point being that I, I just I just don't think that this narrative, and it is a narrative, unfortunately, right, that Caleb Williams refuses to play in Chicago has much foundation. I just don't see the foundation, and I know people want to point to the father and the other p- factors potentially, and those still could be true. But to this point, Molly, I don't, I just don't see enough basis for that. Well, I mean, what, I, if you get drafted by the Bears and you, you're trying to force a trade or something, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, you're, you're, the, the Washington can hire anyone they want for whatever reason they want, but they can't make the Bears trade him the first overall I, pick. They could offer everything under the sun, and they've got a couple of uh, good interior defensive linemen left that would look awful good in Chicago. They could offer that. They could offer uh, a King's ransom in terms of draft picks. I mean, you know, they could overpay for a pick if the Bears were willing to do that. Right, but if the but, Bears decide this is the guy, then they need to take him. Period. End of story. Regardless of they, what's being offered. If they throw in Deron Payne, if they throw in a future first, if they throw in, you could make the package very attractive. My my thought would be this: if you can get that from the Washington Commanders at two, what might you get from a team further down in the draft order to move right, up? Right. And and if you're if you are going to auction that pick, and that is a big if, and we don't think that's going to happen. But, again, to play this through, why would you automatically trade to the team directly behind you? Because the likelihood would be that other teams would have a richer, well, more – I mean, to answer a, the a big, question – Bigger the, package. Yeah, but the idea would be that if you wanted to somehow come away with Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Or, or um, Jaden Daniels. I mean, whomever it may be, if you decide – and again, this is what the process is, and this is why you don't make any decisions. But if you come to the conclusion that, um, wow, Caleb Williams really doesn't want to be here, and you know what, there's a there's a character issue. He's not willing to work as hard, and we've heard bad things. He's he's a very emotional guy, and I'm not sure that he'll hold up under the scrutiny in Chicago. Maybe he's not the player we take. If that happened then you could make a trade and identify someone else, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But it would take something like that to happen. The Bears control their own fate. They have the first pick in the draft. Washington is not able to just, you know, petition the league. We had a bad practice facility, and now (laughs) we want the number one pick. It doesn't work like that. You're definitely mixing your stories of the day. <laughs> Thank you, and that, buddy. That's fine. I'm I, here I, for you. I, I appreciate the, the symmetry there. <laughs> but but, but I, here's what it comes down to as well. And, and I think this is a very interesting debate. And I, and I, I do think it's worth the, the thought exercise. You're talking about the, the Washington Commanders. If they were to offer something to the Bears, it would be to move down to two. And maybe if they did throw in, hypothetically, Deron Payne as a defensive tackle that you need if you're Matt Eberflus. And they did get thrown a future one. And you are drafting second. So is Deron Payne and Marvin Harrison Jr. in a future first worth more? Does that outweigh what you would get in an elite generational quarterback in Caleb Williams? It's, a, it's really what the whole exercise is about. Yes. That question. 
is is why we're sitting here talking about it. Because and and I do believe, David, as much as I would like to see them take the best player in the entire draft, and if it is a guy that people have been waiting years for and that other people think is so good that the likes of him, if it if he's the counter Bedard of quarterbacks, I think it's incumbent upon you to take him, regardless of of whether he loves it here or doesn't or what. It, you got five years. You said it. You said it. How hard would it find? How hard would it be, Molly, to find somebody who considers Caleb Williams the Connor Bedard of quarterbacks? Not very. Right. Not very hard. Right. So, in that context, do you really have a decision? I could make. Uh, other trade scenarios, and I could say Pro Bowl player plus Marvin Harrison Jr. plus future first-round draft pick. Would that outweigh Caleb Williams if he is the Connor Bedard of this draft? And I think that when you answer it that way, you understand why the Bears are probably going to listen but be very, very, very reluctant to deal. Let's try Kurt. Kurt's in Crystal Lake. Hey, Kurt. Uh, hey, I just had a point about uh, two points actually about um, the new Soldier Field, uh, new Bear Stadium actually. But so the uh, current Soldier Field is a entertainment desert, right? If you get there, unless you uh, have a parking spot and want to do uh, your tailgating, there's there's a whole lot else going on there, right? The museums aren't open, and you're um, that's your deal. So you take away one of the parking lots and you keep the old soldier field as a park and you still haven't uh, improved your entertainment experience. That's one point. The other is uh, we've always been told that the McCaskies don't make any money uh, outside of the bears. And they're one of the few teams in the NFL that don't. So Arlington Heights becomes a new venture, right? It's a new right. opportunity for revenue. They have uh, now their property owners, and they're they're managing some very lucrative um, property out there. And uh, does that, you know, contribute to the bottom line where they can put a better team on the field, right? So um, I think, you know, there's been talk about. Well, so you're saying the bears in the city is the problem. That it's that that it just doesn't it doesn't fit near um, Soldier Field. What do you think, David? I think that he's trying to say that, but I also think that this surprised me. This development surprised me, or I'm still a little skeptical of, of it being anything but leverage because Mully of what he's implying. The whole reason for this, one of the biggest reasons for this, is for the Bears to own their own stadium. And we heard Greg Hines, and we yes. could talk to experts. Exactly. That would be that would be unlikely in Chicago. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. And and you know, frankly, all the stuff he's talking about, and all the ancillary stuff, and they get a piece of whatever casino they're building right there, and all that. Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. I got you. I I, um, I agree with that. I think you know we'll see what this Arlington Heights proposal ends up being. I, I would be surprised if it isn't considerably in the Bears' favor that it, it represents maybe a compromised position that they can live with, and this is the result of them maybe considering strongly or seriously staying in the city. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I again, I hope uh, Jerry Reinsdorf wins the, the race to the new building. 
and he gets all that money so that they can get that thing going. I, I'd like to have that announced uh, within the next four days. What? I think we've got until Valentine's Day. Did okay. we put a deadline on that? All right, that's fair. All right, we. <laughs> Coach wants that. Will join us next. We'll talk to Dave for a couple of segments and pick apart the game, pick apart all of the coaching hires in the league, and uh, you know we'll we'll get his take on what the Bears are gonna do as we move forward. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Dave Wanstead, Bears head coach for six seasons. The Bears, the Bears, Super Bowl champion. He has the greatest mustache you've ever seen. Some say it's a symptom of manliness. Others a cause, the mustache. When he hanging out with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Open up the door, it's Dave. Who? Dave, D-A-V-E. Dustin, I, we're not going to waste airtime on that, okay? Thank you. Next question, <laughs> thank you. next question, thank, thank next question. Much. Dave Wanstead. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Always a delight to talk to the coach himself. Dave Wanstead joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino. Dave, good morning. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, real good down here, guys. Everything's good. Uh, we finally made it to the Super Bowl. A lot going on. I thought, I thought you guys would be in Vegas doing your show, no? Uh, what happened? <laughs> well, I mean, it was one of those things where those things. they were afraid to let us loose in that town. Is the After way the I last know. trip there, they, they decided against it. Yeah. I understand. Molly, they probably seen you on St. Patrick's Day, and they said, we don't want any part of this. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying the horse gets out of the barn, Dave, but uh, <laughs> the door is certainly open to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I, I got to tell you, um, I I wasn't really surprised. I guess I was surprised that Cliff Kingsbury turned down the job and then went to Washington. But I wasn't surprised that Luke Getze got a job. I thought he did a pretty good job. I bet he interviewed pretty well. And uh, he's now going to be the offensive coordinator at the Raiders. I'm sure you're delighted to hear that news. Yeah, I am. I uh and I and Andrew Janoco, the quarterback coach, I know he has at least two options on the table. I'm not sure if he's gonna end up out there uh with Luke or not. But uh, no, I, I think, you know, there's still people around this league and you know what the Raiders wanna do with uh providing that they sign their all pro running back back, Josh Jacobs, I mean they, they wanna have a running game and and Luke has proven that, that they can run the ball. Right. And, and really, Justin Fields, you talk to anybody around the league, and they all say the guy was getting better. He made improvement this year. So, you know, Luke's a heck of a coach. Luke's going to do fine. Um, you know, so uh, I'm happy for him, yes, that he got another opportunity. And uh, I think I'm glad people recognize that. Dave, I mean, I think that the perception in Chicago is that Luke Getze was a bigger part of the problem than the solution. And I think when you look at the blame pie as we distributed it during the season, he had a greater share than maybe Justin Fields. And I think this caught some people off guard. And yet, on the other hand, like you said, he is highly regarded around the league. So maybe uh, maybe this isn't uh, as big of a surprise to you, but it also makes you wonder how big of a role he played and how big of a role 
Justin Fields played in the Bears offense not working. Absolutely. No, I, I think that I know this for a fact, okay, because I've been up there enough and that they tried to do everything they could to make Justin Fields successful. They, they honestly did. And, uh, but then they, you know, you get to the point where you say, okay, boy, we're doing this well. We're running the ball. We got our quarterback runs in. But now we got to take that next step. And I think that's where between Getze and Fields and the offense and, and him, Justin getting hurt, that's where we really, uh, uh, that's where we hit kind of a, 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 a you know, the, the, the cross in the road. Where from the standpoint of uh, we just could not take that next step. And I th- I'm sure that Justin feels that way. I'm sure that Luke feels that way. But, uh, uh, you know, maybe nobody's fault. Maybe it is what it is. And um, the Bears got to decide if uh, the new guy coming in, Walter, if he can all of a sudden, uh, you know, make, make a change and, and do something different with Justin if Justin's the quarterback going forward. I don't know if he can or not. Every coach, trust me, on every level, always thinks that they can do a better job than the last guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, give, me, give me that guy that's a free agent. Oh, God, if he gets in our program with our culture and our coaching and our quarterback-friendly system, he'll be a star. Well, that, you know, most of the time, that never works. It all sounds good in an interview, but the reality of it is, is not is, is not real. And now that we have um, a resolution with the Bears coaching staff, it looks like they have put together a, a pretty good group. I, what I like about the group they put together now is the experience level. You know, multiple guys who have been play callers in the league or involved in that aspect of it um, would seemingly indicate that uh, – that they're going to have a um, a little bit of a jump and, a, and an ability to coach whomever they're coaching and probably a first-round draft pick, but we'll wait and see. Absolutely. No, I, I like their staff. They, they, just what you said, they got some, some guys that have done it. You know, I mean, they got a good, experienced staff. Uh, it'll be a matter, in my mind, how quick they can all come together and get on the same page so that, between Flus and the offensive coordinator that you don't have to spend a lot of time coaching the coaches uh, because they're in a tough situation. They got to win. We all know that. And, uh, uh, you know, if the offensive coordinator and the running back coach or the, or the quarterback coach are having a, a discussion, not a dispute, but a discussion, how do we want to handle that? I mean, we, we, you know, and then Flus interjects as the head coach, well, guys, I really don't see it that way. You know, now, now you're working through these issues when you really need to be getting ready to, to win football games. All right, we're going, to, we're going to keep Dave for another segment. We're going to find out who he believes is going to win the Super Bowl. We'll get Dave's – I don't want to call it a prediction. I think it's a statement of reality here from Coach Wants that we'll get that next Mully and Hong, the 